Hi again everyone, welcome back to our Holy Spirit series as we're looking at the fruit of the Spirit and today um, the aspect of the fruit of the Spirit we're considering is that of goodness. And of course last time we looked at kindness and uh, God is kind because he is good and these two work in conjunction and ultimately all the fruit of the Spirit as we've seen uh, are a, a, a display of the characteristics of Jesus Christ in us by the Spirit which is of course the personality of God himself and they all outflow of that first description of the fruit of love because God is love. God is good and God is love and he is good because he is love. He's kind because he is love. He is patient because he is love. He is full of joy and peace because he is love. And we receive those things because we're connected to him. One spirit with Jesus Christ, his son. And today we're looking at the goodness of God. And there's an interesting passage of scripture in the Old Testament I want you to consider just now in the life of Moses. In Exodus chapter 33, verse 18 to 19, we read this. Moses' great request, please show me your glory. That's what he prays to God. We often hear people uh, replicate that prayer in their own lives. I want to know more of God. I want to experience more of God. Lord, show me your glory. But look at the next verse. Then God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. So Moses asked to see God's glory, but God said, I'm going to cause my goodness to pass before you. And we can uh, assume, therefore, from that, that God's glory is in his goodness. His goodness is his glory. And then the next chapter where actually God reveals his name to Moses and much of his character, we read in Exodus 34, 5 through 7. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. But don't you love that phrase? Abounding in goodness. Uh, there's a subtitle to a book on the goodness of God I've seen recently and it simply says he's better than you think. Now consider that just for a moment. How good do you conceive God is? Well he's better than you think. He's greater than you could ever imagine in his goodness. In fact you can't ever exaggerate the goodness of God. And I challenge you, try to do it. You'll not be able to exaggerate it. It was Richard Baxter who said, God's goodness is equal to his greatness. So how great is God? Well, his goodness is equal to that. He is as good as his greatness. And even when we consider God's judgments, and we see some of that in Scripture, of course, and there is a day of judgment that is to come, one day in comparison to the thousands and thousands of years of grace. And yet even his judgments are founded on his goodness. It's because he is good 
and good must prevail. Even what the enemy means for our evil and our destruction, the greatness of our God and his goodness is that he can work that wickedness for our good if we love him and we're called for his purposes. And of course, Romans 8, 28, uh, it displays that teaching. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Now, notice as I've said before, that verse doesn't say that everything comes from God. And it certainly doesn't say that everything in our life is good, for it's not. But it does say, that even the things that are meant by the evil one that are not good, our God is so great in his goodness that he can work those things together in his sovereignty for our benefit and our blessing. (laughs) Isn't he wonderful? Nothing good comes except from God. James 1.17 tells us every good and perfect gift comes from God. But equally, nothing except good comes from God. Everything that comes from his hand towards his children is always for our good. If it's not good, it's not over. (laughs) There's more to come. In fact, Scripture teaches us you can't escape the goodness of God. That famous Psalm, Psalm 23, at the very end of the Psalm, verse 6, it says, Surely goodness, surely goodness, don't miss that part of the psalm. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Not everything that happens to us is good. We're not saying that. Because not everything that happens to us comes directly from the hand of God. Some of our ills are self-inflicted and some obviously come from the enemy. And there are things in the providence of God permitted that we don't understand. But David is saying, I'm confident, and you see many of the difficult experiences he went through, I'm confident that ultimately all my days God's goodness will follow me, will hunt me down and chase me. (laughs) And it is the goodness of God that anchors us in the storms of our lives. In Psalm 27 and verse 13, the psalmist said, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And maybe you're not seeing goodness right now in the experience that you're going through. Maybe you're questioning the the, the goodness and kindness of God toward you because of the circumstances and the trials and tribulations. But but David hung on in faith, believing that if it's not good, it's not over. But I will persevere, believing I will be patient, knowing that God's goodness somehow will break through in this situation. And, And our spirits would give up in many of the experiences of our lives if we didn't actually believe that God is good and he will overcome. Believing in the intrinsic goodness of God frees us from the need to find explanations for everything. I kind of think that even if we knew the reason why certain things came into our lives, it it may not actually make it any better and it certainly wouldn't lift the burden of our pain 
but knowing that ultimately God is good and God has good finally for his children surely that's got to help James Hervey put it like this in verse good when he God when he gives supremely good nor less when he denies even crosses from his sovereign hand are blessings in disguise of course we're all called to take up our cross and follow Christ and we're not promised a bed of roses when we do that we're promised persecution but we're told by Jesus even in the midst of that suffering he has overcome the world and it is that confidence in the goodness of God that will cause us to persevere you know the goodness of God is the greatest need that this world has there's not a lot of goodness when you look out there around us and people are longing for love they're longing for kindness joy peace and goodness and we're the ones who have the message of goodness because we have got a good God. What are the depictions of God that, that are given to the world through religion and even sadly through Christianity at times? It's of a harsh, cruel, unkind, judgmental, nitpicking God who just wants to judge us at every opportunity. But that is not the God of the Bible. That is not the God that is revealed in Jesus Christ. He is a good God and the world needs to hear that through the good news of the gospel. In Romans 12, 21, Paul says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. There's so much evil in our world today and evil is on the ascendancy, especially here in the Western world. We're seeing that our once Christianized culture, and I, I know that's a bit of a uh, a misanoma but at the same time the Christian influences and in culture are, are being erased and we're see, seeing evil abound yet we are not in the midst of this to become worry warts and fretful and overcome by this we're actually to to experience such an overwhelming goodness of God in our lives that that our goodness which is the goodness of God ultimately will overcome the evil is that what's happening is that how, how we're reacting to the so-called culture wars? Is that how we're dealing with the moral malaise that there is in society? If we are to overwhelm evil, it will only be with good. But if that's going to happen, listen, personally, we must first be overwhelmed by the goodness of God. I love what Graham Cook has to say throughout all his teaching on the the fruit of the spirit and I've been reflecting some of that um, and one of the things he says around God's goodness is God's goodness is present in every situation but you need to be looking for it and he uses this wonderful illustration of um, you know if you're you've made a date to meet someone in a coffee shop um, and uh, you walk in there what's the first thing you do well it's a busy coffee shop but there are various faces around in the crowd but you're looking for that one person that you know and he, he teaches that that's the way we need to approach life we, we get thrown into all sorts of adverse and potentially negative circumstances but when we're in those places and we're crowded out we need to be searching for the goodness of God we need to be looking for his goodness in every situation it's the goodness of God that will change our mindset. We looked at this verse uh, last time, Romans 2 verse 4. Uh, Paul says, Do you despise the riches of God's goodness, his 
forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. <laughs> the judgment of God never saved anyone in the sense that um, when we're judged, we're judged, it's too late. It's the goodness of God that is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, that, that rescues us. The good news that though we deserve condemnation, it is through his grace, his love and goodness that we are saved. But that's what changes our hearts. Metanoia is repentance. That's what changes our mind. Literally, it means a change of mind. When we realize God is for us, God is good, God loves us. And God can be with us in this life if we just embrace him by faith as he's freely offered in the gospel. And so our mindset needs to change and it will only change through a revelation of the goodness of God. It shifts our mindset. And so the goodness of God is the primary catalyst for repentance. It's what will change our minds and hearts toward God and our relationship with him but towards others when we're truly overwhelmed by his goodness. That's the fruit of the Spirit. It, it all comes from him. It's his goodness. And if we're to know goodness, it will only be the goodness of God. We have no goodness of our, ourselves. About a century and a half ago, uh, a missionary by the name of Alan Gardner, I think he may have been the founder of the Church Mission Society, after his tragic death, his body was found along with his diary. And the diary told over and over again of his hunger, privation, persecution, and the suffering he experienced for uh, the, the work of the gospel and spreading the good news. And yet the very last entry in that book, just before his tragic demise, were these words, I am overwhelmed with a sense of the goodness of God. How can this be? <laughs> a man who suffered so much. Well, you see, this is not related to comfort. It's not related to ease, materialism. And this is what we often get wrong. It's actually in the midst of some of the greatest heartache, sorrow and darkness that we can know the fruit of the Spirit overwhelming us and overcoming the circumstances that we would normally think would cancel out the goodness of God. You see, this is supernatural. This, this doesn't make any sense for a man like, like Alan Gardner to say those words, I am overwhelmed with a sense of the goodness of God. <laughs> Are you overwhelmed with his goodness? Frances Ridley Havergill, the great hymn writer, um, she wrote hymns like Take My Life and Let It Be Consecrated, Lord, to Thee. She said, If I could write as I would about the goodness of God to me, the ink would boil in my pen. <laughs> what a description of her enthusiasm, of the understanding she had of the goodness of God in her life. She died at the age of 42, I think it was. And yet she was so intoxicated with the goodness of God to the point that she could almost feel the ink boiling in her pen as she would write about it. Oh, we can get excited about so many things in our lives, can't we? I hope that you're excited with the goodness of God. 
This is important. I'll tell you why. It will affect your whole life. It will affect your outlook on life, your whole perspective about everything that will come along your way. And especially when you come to life's unanswered questions, and there are many. The goodness of God is what will get you through. You know, I have a bigger problem to imagine that God's this ogre, you know, that causes a lot of these wicked things that happen in our lives and he's getting some pleasure out of it as he puts us through it all. I don't understand a lot of what's going on in life and even in my life at times. And there's a lot of unanswered questions and mysteries. But one thing I am certain of is that God is good. And I'll resign a lot of the questions up to his goodness rather than making him into a bad God. Someone said, if we question God's goodness, we'll question his promise. Because his promise is contingent upon his goodness. And if we question his promise, we undermine our destiny. I like that. If we question God's goodness, we'll question his promise. And if we question his promise, we'll undermine our destiny. Because our destiny uh, is related to his promise, isn't it? And if his promise isn't good, well, then our destiny is not good. And ultimately, that's what Satan seeks to do with all of us. He wants to, to cause us to doubt the goodness of God like he did with Adam in the beginning in the garden. Has God really said, does God really have your good in mind? Actually, he's wanting to, to hide something from you. He's wanting to disenfranchise you from knowing the things that he knows. If your eyes were opened, you'd be like God. God's not really good. That's essentially what Satan was saying in the garden to Adam. God is not as good as you think. Well, listen, God is better than you've ever imagined. Don't listen to the enemy. Don't let the enemy rob you, whether in the good times or the bad times, of a sense of the goodness of God. Let that be your focus. Let that be your perspective in life. Let that be the thing that you're looking out for, even in the hard times. Where can I find the goodness of God here? Because it has to be here. Because God is with me. God is always here. And he's promised that his goodness will follow me all my life. Where is his goodness here? Charles Simeon was the rector of Holy Trinity Church in Cambridge in England for 54 years from 1782 to 1836. And he had a profound effect on the students of Cambridge University through those years. And among some of those converted during Simeon's ministry um, was Henry Martin, the great pioneer missionary to India. And the Cambridge students were invited regularly to the rector's house for, for tea and a chat. And they were encouraged to question him concerning various spiritual truths. And on one occasion he was asked the question, how do you maintain a close walk with God? And this was his reply. To maintain a close walk with God, constantly meditating on the goodness of God and on our great deliverance from that punishment which our sins deserve. Keeping both of these in mind, we shall find ourselves advancing on our course. We shall feel the presence of God. We shall experience his love. We shall live in the enjoyment of his favour and in the hope of his grace. Meditation is the great means of our growth and grace. 
How do we maintain a close walk with God? Meditate upon the great goodness of God. Simeon's advice was good. So let's face it. What do you naturally focus on in life? The negatives, the fears, the concerns, the barriers, the problems, the blockages. Let's have a shift of mindset and realize how good our God is that there's always good there somewhere and we need to find it and we need to focus on his goodness which is his greatness. Father Abba God I thank you that you are good and you're good all the time and even when we can't see a goodness in the situations that we're experiencing. Help us to find your presence in the midst of it. Help us to give an offering of praise, though it's hard at times. But that's why it's a sacrifice of praise to be able to say, I believe, no matter what my eyes see, I choose to believe that God is good. And if this isn't good right now, it's not over. Help us to believe in our heart, deep within our being, that you are good. And I just pray that you'll minister to those who I've not been able to see you that way. Lord, those who have put faith in negativity rather in your, than in your promises of your goodness. And I pray that you'll be bringing healing to them right now and freedom and liberty and a reorientation to your goodness, your kindness and your love for them. Change their mind about you, Lord. And draw them closer to you. And may we all be people who not only celebrate your goodness, experience it and feel it, but we show it. It's, it's ultimately going to be the consequence that if we are overwhelmed with your goodness, we will overwhelm others and overwhelm this world, overwhelm the evil with the goodness of God. So Lord, let us experience that, we pray, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. See you again next time.